Hello and welcome to a new episode of B2B E-Commerce Accelerated. The B2B E-Commerce podcast that helps B2B sales leaders move more efficiently and crush growth targets. My name is Ruben Mink and I'm the CEO of EMEA APEC at Sana Commerce. And I am Tim van Otten, EVP of Enterprise here at Sana Commerce. And we are your host. I'm very excited today, Ruben, for this, yes. for this episode, for our listeners or well, rather for our watchers know that typically we are not in the same location. We record these episodes separately from each other. So it's nice to be here in the same room with you. Absolutely. Um, and another thing that makes me very excited that we have a guest on our podcast today that couldn't be farther away from us, all the way from New Zealand. Hi, guys. How are you going? Yes, welcome. Hi there. We're good. How are you over there? I'm great, thank you. Very good. Thank you so much for joining, Martin. We're really excited to have you here in the fourth episode, actually, of this podcast. So Thanks you uh, belong to the first group. Really excited to have you. So we start with always the first question. The first question that we also like to ask you is how did you end up in sales? Because a lot of people have yeah, so many stories. A lot of people didn't choose to go into sales. So we're curious to hear from you how, how that was for you. Yeah, sure. I guess you're right. You don't go through school maybe aspiring to be a salesperson. Exactly. Um, you know, fireman or a jet fighter pilot or something <laughs> like that, maybe. But I probably took a similar path to many other sales leaders and went to university and, and did a, a marketing degree, actually. And alongside yeah. that, you often here in New Zealand would do finance papers and economics papers at the same time. So you get quite a bit of exposure into sales through that way. And again, like many other university students, you end up working in a retail store. And that's probably where you, yeah. you pick up the bug, right? So right. that's what I did. Yeah, bit of retail, learned selling and, and talking to customers. And, you know, it's probably the first exposure to things like daily sales targets and in-store KPIs and things like that. So yeah. that started to drive me, did some hospitality work, both in New Zealand and overseas. And that that really taught me a lot about people in very different scenarios and situations late at night and it can be quite a high pressure situation sometimes <laughs> and, <laughs> i can um, imagine yeah yeah and that's also where i learned a lot about a lot about leading a team as well like i said quite high pressure a lot of people a lot of things going on so having to think on your feet so yeah that's kind of where i guess i, I got that first itch if you yeah. want to say of working in sales cool. and then i moved into the b2b world here in new zealand and a number of different industries and you yeah. like this first uh, edge that you're talking about, apparently, or? Yeah, yeah, totally. Sort of, yeah. you know, being able to talk to people, really hear what their sort of problems are that we're trying to solve with whatever product you're selling. Right. That's what it's all about. So, and then, you know, that final, I guess, gratification of seeing the customer walk out with the product yeah. uh, and knowing that that's going to benefit their lives in some way, whether it's, you know, I've sold sunglasses and watches and, you know, automotive, <laughs> yeah. automotive products and in the medical industry. So, you know, no matter what it is, you're helping people in their day-to-day -day lives. Yeah. And your current role is head of sales, right? That's Phil and that's In some way, we don't have uh, specific titles, but yep, that's what you could, could call it. Yeah. yeah. You're basically heading the sales team. Let's get a little bit about what, or what Phil and Ted does. What kind of products do yep. you... Uh... So Phil and Ted's is our overall company name. It's also one of our brands, and it's a family of three pretty proudly New Zealand brands. And we work in the what we call the juvenile industry. So we innovate, we design, and we manufacture and then distribute products that, like I said before, really help parents get through their daily lives with new children. 
So you can think of things like buggies or strollers, high chairs, car seats, you know, all of those things from a newborn, you're going to need as a parent right through the whole, what we call the parenting day. So that's what we do. We're quite innovative. We design our products in-house and, you know, go through that concept phase and then we manufacture it. And then we distribute through a number of different channels around the world. Okay. So from A to Z, really, right? So you design, you manufacture and then you distribute. You mentioned different channels. So could you tell us a little bit about the different customers that you have, the different types of customers that you have? Yeah, totally. So the bulk of our business is through, you know, the traditional B2B or what we call the wholesale channel. So mm-hmm. we have our support office here in a suburban neighborhood here in Wellington. It's pretty cool, pretty laid back. And we have six or five other offices around the world. And in those offices, we deal with retailers in almost every country. And we have five warehouses that we distribute product from. So that's our traditional sales channel. That's where the bulk of our business comes through. We also deal with some distributors in certain countries who then on-sell to retailers locally themselves. And we also have a direct consumer channel. So we sell directly to those end consumers that we're you know, designing the products for. And that really helps the overall business because you know, we're actually talking to the people that are using our product on a daily basis. And that helps us develop and sort of, you know, make changes or or bring new product to the market. Gotcha. And you said proud New Zealand brands. Is that also your market or do you also sell in other parts of the world or globally maybe even? So, yeah, and we're very proud to be New Zealand owned and operated. And it plays a lot into our brand strategy and marketing. But New Zealand is our backyard. It is usually one of our bigger markets for sales, but we sell right through Europe the UK, North America, Canada, the US, through Asia as well, Australia. And then we have some pretty cool distributors in places like, you know, Argentina, you know, Greece. Yeah, quite a few far-flung places, really. That's pretty global to me. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and other than being a company from New Zealand, what are the other things that makes film that's unique? Why do your customers buy from you? We like to call ourselves the Mighty Dwarf. as a bit of a Lord of the Rings sort of analogy <laughs> there, but... We're not a huge company. We're not the biggest in our industry and we're okay with that. You know, we have a pretty flat ownership structure and a very flat management structure. So we're incredibly agile. And what that means is we can be talking to a customer and, and make changes either specifically for them or, and whether that's through just a sales promotion or, you know, a bit longer term with product. So. I think people like that agility with us. You know, a wholesale customer is really only one phone call away from our CEO. There's no red tape. Yeah, it's quite a collaborative space. So we can get things to market very quickly for our customers, which I think they really enjoy and and they like that sort of agility and and some of the uniqueness of our products. Sounds familiar, Robin, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, we can (laughs) shake hands, right? This is a Dutch company, originally Dutch. We also have a pretty flat hierarchy, I would say. Uh, Yeah. So we can relate to that. So it's cool to hear. And tell us a little bit more, Martin, about your sales team. And you were already about to explain, I said you having the sales team, but how does the sales team look like and how do you work across regions and teams? Yeah. So we, like I said, we have a pretty flat structure. Our CEO is very heavily involved in our day-to-day sales activities as well. Okay. And then we have just two other people, myself and a colleague in the United Kingdom. And then we have our salespeople. So it's quite flat. We have about 12 salespeople around the world and they're located New Zealand, the United States, the United Kingdom, in the Netherlands as well. We have someone and then Spain. So quite global. And we work a lot as a team through, you know, obviously digital media. So we're not all sitting next to each other 
you know, sort of collaborating that way, we have to find other ways to collaborate as a sales team. Right. And what is, can you tell a little bit more about the sales strategy or do you have certain segments or is it more like the countries you are describing where you have people, you have one person who does the sales to all the customers or several channels? Yeah, it's kind of ever evolving a little bit. You know, the world is changing and has changed a lot in the last three years and we adapt to suit that. So even pre the pandemic, we moved to a more, I guess, collaborative, what we call an inside sales strategy. So, you know, that traditional driving around for hours, having cups of coffee, just chatting to people. It's not really how things can be done anymore. And we started moving more away from that before the pandemic. And then obviously with the pandemic, we actually couldn't go and see our customers just physically weren't, you know, allowed to in some countries. Yeah. So we don't necessarily have reps who look after the North or the South or this country. And we use quite an integrated CRM to help us with that. So our customers can talk to any one of us and we've all got the same amount of information so they can get the best service any day, no matter if someone's on leave or sick, you know, or if one office is closed, they can still talk to another office if they really want to. So we still have main points of contact with customers because that relationship is quite important when we need it to be. But day to day, our customers can get the same level of service from anybody. And I think that's quite important. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, um, so you mentioned you moved to a more of an inside sales kind of strategy, right? Also as a result of COVID. So what role has your online platform or your B2B commerce platform played in that transition to that inside sales strategy? Yeah, it's been hugely important. And it was kind of good luck, I guess, or good timing that we, I guess, improved our B2B e-commerce platform back in 2019, mm-hmm. just before things changed. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, good timing. Exactly. Yeah. It was very good timing <laughs> in hindsight. Our actual previous platform wouldn't have held up to it. So it would have been a bit of a business issue for us at that time. So we're not out there traveling as much and being in that sort of face-to-face environment. And so that means we need an e-commerce platform that can support not just the placing of orders and that sort of processing, but actually providing information to a lot of people in a consistent way, whether it's product information, you know, imagery, videos, digital assets, training, all of that kind of information is yeah, very easily put through the e-commerce platform. Gotcha. And were there so because you, you obviously made the decision pre-COVID to bring your sales online, although I, I just heard you say that you already had a portal. So what kind of objectives did you have when you started implementing SANA or when you started well looking for another portal in the first place? Because it was pre-COVID, right? So that wasn't the trigger. Yeah. So, exactly. so what, what, what other goals did you have at that point? We wanted to, at the same time, we were upgrading our ERP. So it kind of just made sense. But it was good timing as we could also achieve goals of, I guess, improving efficiency and productivity for the sales team. And I think enabling them to be more salespeople rather than maybe order takers. Yeah. And, you know, any salesperson has a lot more joy and fulfillment from actually talking to people and consulting and making that sale rather than filling out an order form, you know, for the most part anyway. So that was one of the goals was definitely, yeah, enable our sales team to have more time to talk to our customers and add value in other ways other than just taking an order. And it's worked really well. And out of curiosity, because before 2019, you also had an e-commerce platform. Were there any things, any experiences that you took from before 2019 and how this was running 
for your customers, for you as a company? Were there any experiences that you took into the 2019, basically, reimplementation? Yeah, the previous platform was fairly old and it was very, how do I say it? It needed a lot of people to keep it going. <laughs> it wasn't very automated, I guess. It was quite custom. You know, it definitely wasn't a SaaS solution. There was coding. Any change needed coding, basically. So if we wanted to, you know, update a product or, or even, I think, change a price, you know, it wasn't a simple change in the ERP and it synced through. So it was quite cumbersome. And that, I think, held us back from a lot of development and helping the customers use it, which, you know, wasn't great for the adoption side of things. Yeah, 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 I imagine. Mm. And uh, was that also the case for your customers? Because this is for you as a business. It was a huge difference. But for your customers, were there any differences in before 2019 and after? Yeah, I think with the improvement, we've been able to add more value to our customers just because it's a lot easier. So we can, you know, run very bespoke promotions. We can attract people to the e-commerce site a lot easier than what we could in the past. And so, and it just looks a lot more attractive as well. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of our retailers, I guess, independently owned operators. So, you know, the owner, it might be a husband and wife or or a Mm -hmm. family owned business. And, you know, they're the manager, they clean, they're the finance person, they do the marketing, they're the warehouse. and a lot of them actually want to shop online themselves. Mm. So we get a lot of feedback that placing orders or viewing our B2B e-commerce site is a lot like just shopping online. So it's quite an enjoyable experience for them. And previous platform wasn't really enabling that. So is that also the main reason why your customers buy from you online? Because it's easy for them, like you say, they're used to it. They have maybe have busy days with all the things that they have on their plate as you are describing, and then it's maybe easy to do it in uh, outside of office hours? Or are there any other reasons why your customers buy online from you? Yeah, I think you probably touched on it. We get a lot of orders in the evenings, whatever local time. So, you know, they close up the shop. They've probably written down their orders on a bit of scrap paper during the day because they're so busy, or they have their own point of sale. And so, yeah, we do get a lot of orders placed in the evening and also, you know, late on a Sunday after the weekend trading. So there is definitely that. And I think the other side is people enjoy going to our portal just to see what's going on, to see what's right. new and, you know, and to learn about product as well, because our retailers have so many options and, you know, yeah, they need to learn product so they can best help their customers. And yeah. that's where the retailer portal, we call it. That's where they can do that in their own time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it yeah. almost sounds like a natural flow for them or also for you to get these customers online. Was that really the case or did you need it to do things from your end or maybe the sales reps to get them online? Or was it just like, okay, the portal is there. I'm going to use it from day one. No, there's definitely a bit of work involved. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us. Yeah. yeah, in a good way. Yeah. We're always wanting to increase the adoption of our retailers using the portal for specific activities like placing orders and mm-hmm. finding information. So any communications we have with our customers, whether we send out an EDM or, you know, we're following up on something, we're always kind of mentioning, hey, have you checked out the retailer portal? Yep. We've got some good deals on there. We run some online only specials from time to time. So they have to go and place their own order to get the benefits. And that's just a strategy to try and continue to increase that adoption but our sales team are pretty, they're very on board with it. They can see how removing some of that daily task, data entry, processing can enable them to do more value added things with their customers. So yeah, 
you know, if a customer does happen to ring or email with an order, we'll always kind of say, hey, I'll, of course, we're going to take the order. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe next time, why don't you jump on the portal? Do you need help with the login details? I can reset your password for you. And just to make it easy. That's, that's the goal. Yeah. Nice. You just said something interesting there, Martin, without maybe even realizing it. I'm not sure. Maybe you did. You said we're always looking to increase adoption for placing orders and other things, such as looking up information. I think that's very interesting because we come across so many B2B manufacturers that look at conversion or sales online only. Are there any other indicators of adoption next to looking up information? Any other indicators of adoption that you look at when looking at e-commerce success? Yeah, we use our retailer portal to provide information like product specifications. Mm-hmm. So if a retailer's website maybe isn't that up to date or there's something that could just be incorrect, they can actually get that information themselves in their own time. So that's one thing we can see who has or hasn't been looking at products. Of course, we provide that information to people, mm-hmm. but it does need updating from time to time. We use the portal for all of our product imagery and digital assets. So again, we can see when a retailer has been looking at our social media assets and if they're using them. So it's not just about placing orders, inventory availability and pricing. So again, if someone rings up asking for a price or inventory availability, we kind of know they haven't necessarily been checking the portal. And so we can try and convert them to using that more exactly because they yeah. can only convert once they're on the portal right so first gotta go yeah. gotta get that go to the portal and then sales happens when they are there anyway all right exactly. nice. yeah. thanks all right i think ruben uh, you asked a question around what role your sales reps uh, martin played in getting your customers to adopt how was the experience for them or for you as a sales leader and for your sales team to introduce an e-commerce platform how did it impact their life you said it but the intention was to make their lives better how did that play out Good. Yeah. So you're always, I think, going to have, you know, some of those sort of, I, maybe, I don't know, old school sales reps who want to be out there driving, yeah. you know, talking to people sort of life on the road as you might have had in the past. But, you know, we need to pivot <laughs> away from, yeah, need to pivot away from that. And I, I think that's in most industries. Our retailers are time poor, you know, staff levels have dropped in the last few years. And so they might not have the same amount of time to stand around talking to sales reps. So we had to really, I guess, encourage our sales team to maybe get on board with that change in working style. And the portal or the e-commerce platform was one really big mechanism we had to do that. You didn't have to drive and go and see someone to take an order, obviously. And, you know, you could actually have a really great phone call or video conference and have the retailer portal available for information at that point in time as well. So, yeah, there was a bit of encouragement from the team, but after a while, I think we had pretty universal acceptance that this is the way forward. And, you know, there are other benefits, like if you're not traveling as much, you're at home more, you're seeing the family a lot more, you know, and using those kind of tools to enable that is only a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you have been a sales or account manager yourself as well, right? So was there any difference in how you look at it from your current role and how you looked at e-commerce back then? Yeah, totally. It maybe used to be a not a threat, but mm. you know, as a traditional salesperson, you're the one that wants to be out there taking the order at the yeah. end of the conversation. You know, yeah. there is a, a certain amount of joy and of course I guess self fulfillment when you're actually writing down the order and typing it out yourself. But, you know, we've probably got better things to be doing for our customers than data entry, which essentially yeah. is what placing an order is. 
so yeah I learned that way and you know and for myself I used to travel a lot so mm. you know not having to feel I need to travel so much and I've got a really great e-commerce platform to back me up it has been good yeah cool. You have been talking before, or you mentioned also efficiency, right? It's one of the things that e-commerce brought you and the company. Can you elaborate a little bit on that topic, maybe? Because efficiency nowadays, maybe always, but especially now with a lot of things going on also in the world, the market, mm. it's becoming more and more important to also look at costs and becoming efficient. Mm. How do you see that and how does this play a role at your company? So the e-commerce platform helps yeah. us with our, I guess, a one-to-many conversation. So we can use, you know, emails and EDMs and, and whatever it might be with links back to the e-commerce platform for maybe a new product launch. And I referred earlier that the current platform we have is a lot more attractive than previous ones. So we're quite comfortable to launch a new product online with our retailers rather than spending weeks and to be honest a lot of money traveling around you know all of the countries we work in and time so you know we can launch a new product in a day or two online and reach you know our sort of thousand or so customers versus having to spend weeks and weeks traveling around making sure we talk to everybody before we can actually launch the product so speed to market is yeah. very efficient for us now yeah yeah and i guess you know just the reduction in the number of inbound emails with simple questions and the actual orders themselves has been very good too. As we speak to market, Martin, you mentioned in the introduction, you said different things have happened in the world lately. You mentioned COVID. How did the global supply chain shortages, how did that impact your speed to market, for instance? Is that something that plays a role for you? Because typically when we speak to manufacturers, it does. <laughs> so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that wouldn't be different for you. Yeah, that had a massive impact, whether it was factory closures in China through different reasons, whether it was, you know, then port closures, not enough containers, and then every local port that I'm sure it wasn't unique to us, but every local port we seemed to ship into had their own issues as well. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty well publicized over the last few years. So yeah, that was difficult. And I think we had to look at, I guess, safeguarding ourselves from some of those supply chain challenges and increasing stock holding in our warehouses, which was then you know, quite evident through the e-commerce channel because our retailers can see what stock we have available to order. So that was quite good, I think, in a way that we could display that information to our customers. Whereas I know, you know, some other distributors or wholesalers maybe don't have that technology to do that. So that was a benefit. Maybe just out of curiosity, when it comes to efficiency, you talk about launching new products, which is much more easy, less inbound communication that needs to be handled with the emails. When it comes to getting maybe new customers on board, but I'm not sure if this is a topic for you, did e-commerce there or does e-commerce there play a role? And maybe also on the efficiency side. So sometimes we hear that finding and getting new customers on board is also yeah more easy and more efficient with e-commerce. How is that for you? Yeah, it is. We've been around for kind of over 30 years and yeah. what's a relatively small industry. So we're pretty well in touch with most people that we want to be working with. So we're not onboarding a lot of new customers. When we do, though, it does, again, enable us to give access to our full range of products, Yeah. kind of at the touch of a button. <laughs> you know, set up the customer card and the ERP, and then it, it syncs through. And they get an email and a password, and they can start placing orders immediately. Yeah. So, yeah, when we do bring on new customers, e-commerce plays a massive role 
and giving them the information they need in a very easy and timely manner. And it's consistent as well. We don't have sales heads or sales reps typing out individual emails. You know, maybe they attach different pictures for one person. So there is consistency there as well. Cool. Yeah. All right. So if you, and this doesn't necessarily have to be related to e-commerce, but if with all these changes, right? So we mentioned COVID, we mentioned supply chain shortages. We, well, we are talking about digital transformation throughout this uh, last 30 minutes or so. What has been for you? So looking at your business, what has been the main challenge that you had to adapt to over the course of the last three years or so? I think for us, you know, obviously there has been a, economic downturn, if you like, in most countries. So, you know, people are saving a bit more money. And for us, probably the travel aspect was the biggest part. You know, we're a very, we like to think of ourselves as a very friendly bunch of people. And we have some really great relationships with our customers that go back a long way. So just, yeah, maybe not being in front of them as often as we were. And actually, in some countries, not at all for the last three years, yeah, it was a bit of a struggle for us, probably more on a personal level, I think, you know, like, like I said before, salespeople want to be talking to their customers and continuing to build relationships. And when you haven't been able to go and see them because of travel restrictions or whatever it might be, yeah, it's been on a personal level, that's been a little bit tough on some people. Yes. Yeah. But you still, but e-commerce played a role in that. So of course it was not face to face, but what I also hear you saying is that because you had e-commerce, you could still drive those relationships in essence right exactly yeah yeah yeah. so we just had to adapt yeah Yeah. and i think you know again in most countries and most industries video conferencing became the new normal right so before that to be honest we probably would never have really done a video call with our customers you know and that would have delayed conversations because we would have wanted to wait until we were seeing them in person you know and yeah bringing some customers on board with video conferencing has been a challenge but a lot of people are getting more used to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's also something we recognize. So when in the midst of COVID, I do remember customers, maybe some of them are listening to this, to this podcast that said, you know, we'll just wait until this is over. Then you come to visit us and then we'll sign the deal. Right. But that has completely changed. And I'm sure that's no different for your industry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So going rounding off, actually, because we already discussed a lot, we always have a question also from our previous guest. And uh, that was actually Dave van der Pas from Nathan, who are in the animal feed. And his question to you, Martin, is how do you think the role of sales will evolve in the coming years? Wow, that's quite a broad question, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's going to continue to be more, I guess, in line with the e-commerce side of things. You know, travel is not getting any cheaper. Even just driving around, you know, three or four hours, cost of petrol's up. Time out of the office is just expensive. So I think a salesperson now is going to more traditionally be in the office using tools like Zoom or, or Teams and phone calls and a really good e-commerce platform to back them up. I think it's going to be really important. So yeah, I think we'll see a lot less of the traditional sales reps driving around, staying in hotels and having dinners and things. So <laughs> That's just how it's going to be, I think. (laughs) Thanks, Martin. And, well, you can do the same, actually, for our next guest. So what will be your question if you can ask one question for our next sales leader on the next episode? Yeah, I was thinking about along the same lines. How do we bring salespeople into the e-commerce world a bit more? 
you know, do we need to upskill them on some of the technology side of things so that they have maybe a bit more involvement in how the e-commerce platform works? Maybe that will help with their buy-in, which then is going to help with their customers' adoption. So I just wondered if it's there's time to upskill yeah. salespeople on the technology side. Key question, I guess, right? It's yeah. uh, it's one of the things why we uh, started this podcast. So I really like this question. So we will yeah. bring that on, right? So, Can't wait to ask, uh, yeah. to ask it to our next guest. Thanks. Yeah. All right. I think uh, wrapping up, right? I think so too. Thanks, Martin, for some very interesting insights. I'm sure many of our listeners in B2B manufacturing will recognize a lot of what you say. So again, thanks. It's appreciated all the way from New Zealand. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And see you in the next episode, everyone. Thank you for listening to B2B e-commerce accelerated. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or like our podcast on your favorite platform. Thanks. See you. See you.